Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Your and my best and most admirable human achievements fall short of God's requirement to get to heaven. Did you catch that? The best that we can offer falls short of God's way of getting to heaven. Yeah, you heard that correctly. The Bible teaches, and and here's the thing, it's crystal clear. When people say, well, that's just your interpretation, your answer should be, I think, my friend, you need to go study more. Most Christians have heard the warning of false teaching mentioned in the Bible. In Pastor Jim's message, he points out that religion can often be the worst perpetrator of these false ideals. Many religions have added to the gospel, placing parameters that were never intended to be there. But true joy comes from the freedom of pursuing Christ which creates the knowledge and ability to defend our faith against those who might try to twist its principles. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim with part one of his message entitled, Joyful Anger. Well, just imagine you see a friend maybe you haven't seen for a bit. You walk up to them and you ask them how they're doing. How are you doing? Or as we're fond of saying in New Jersey, how you doing? And this is their reply. It might seem a bit odd to you. They go, I'm so joyful. You're excited, right? I'm so joyful. And they go, and I'm so angry. Now, you might listen to that response and say, and you're so nuts. (laughs) But it's also possible that you could be talking to a thoughtful follower of Jesus Christ. Now, last week, I, I restrained myself. I have to let you know how often I restrain myself. You might not appreciate it, but I do. I restrained myself last week from calling the sermon Joyful Gambling. Remember, we said that Epaphroditus gambled with his life. But I didn't call it that because I didn't want to get in trouble. This week, I've restrained myself from calling the sermon Joyful Circumcision. And if you don't know what that means, ask your mother or father on the ride home. And I've called it Joyful Anger. So the internet will say Joyful Anger. But in my heart, it's joyful circumcision. Here in our verse-by-verse study in the book of Philippians, the letter from St. Paul, he's in jail, most scholars think in Rome, writing to a church hundreds of miles away in Philippi in northern Greece. It's about 30 years after Jesus has been crucified, rose from the dead, and ascended to heaven. And the Apostle Paul, according to Acts 16, founded the church in Philippi. And it's about 10 years after he founded the church, coincidentally, almost the age that we are. And he's been going through some different things with them, writing from prison. He has no idea whether he's going to be released or Caesar's going to cut his head off or it's going to be something in between, oddly enough, with those being his thoughts or his future. It's often called the epistle of joy because of the use of the word joy and rejoice. As we move into chapter 3, we come into some profound New Testament theology. So you have to really, really stick with me on a lot of this stuff that we're going to be talking about. And 
the Apostle Paul is angry. He's angry at this point. The letter in verse 2 takes a complete turn. He's angry because of all the false teaching that's going on. All the people who are saying some things about Jesus that aren't necessarily true. And, and I can relate as I look at the landscape of the church in America as so many people are moving away from the simple teaching of God's word into all kinds of self-help, get what I want from vending machine God kind of teaching and thinking. And while we might be angry, while we might be saddened by it, the apostle's soul, and I hope yours is too, is, is brimming with joy in Jesus. And it's also brimming with hope that when people get the real thing, that some of that other stuff is not going to be so important to them. In chapter 3, there's a basic idea that runs through it. And I realized this morning that it could be shocking to many of us because it is so contrary to what we would think of as the American gospel. And it goes like this. The thinking of chapter 3 is that your and my best and most admirable human achievements fall short of God's requirement to get to heaven. Did you catch that? The best that we can offer falls short of God's way of getting to heaven. Yeah, you heard that correctly. The Bible teaches, and, and here's the thing, it's crystal clear. When people say, well, that's just your interpretation, your answer should be, I think, my friend, you need to go study more. You need to actually go read the Bible. Stop listening to people who tell you what they think and actually read what Jesus and the apostles taught. The Bible teaches clearly that no one stands innocent before God. Everybody will be guilty. Nobody will be able to stand and say, I should be allowed into heaven. But God, in his great love, provided the way for all of us to be rescued in the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, the coronation of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible goes further. It teaches that any attempts to add to the gospel, any attempts to add to what Jesus Christ has done, to add to God's way of the forgiveness of sin and eternal life, is to reject God himself. And sadly, religion is often the biggest culprit. Because religion says that if you do certain things or you live a certain way, that of course God would accept you into heaven. Back in chapter 2, which we spent several weeks on, the Lord, through the Apostle Paul, tells us the story of Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. God become a man, the rescuer, the one who provided rescue for humanity. And then he gave us, the Apostle gave us some examples of people living in response to that rescue. Briefly, the apostle talked about himself being poured out as a drink offering. And then he went on to his young protege, Pastor Timothy. And then he went on to a very simple man who we studied last week, Epaphroditus, who simply risked his life, gambled his life for the gospel. 
But in the midst of such joy of what Jesus is doing, this morning we'll see that the apostle is also angry. And, and we say that when the Bible speaks, God speaks. And so if the apostle is upset about something that's going on, we can know that God is upset too. And it is the false teachers that are leading people astray. And the Bible is very clear to us who are, uh, we who are committed followers of Jesus Christ. If you're not here and you're here this morning, thank you for being here. But for us, we must know and must understand that the truth of the gospel must be taught to people. We don't come out of the womb understanding the truths of God. We come out, and what's one of the first things we can say? Mine. <laughs> Mine. And so we must be taught the good news. The good news must be proclaimed. That's why the Bible is often, as we're going to see this morning, shocking. And the teaching of the Bible must be defended against those, not so much that are opposed to it, but those who add to it. And non-gospels much must be opposed. So for you note-takers, three things we want to look at this morning, all beginning with the letter C to help me remember them. So we begin with a command, and then we'll move to a caution, and we'll end with a confidence. Well, first the command, verse 1. Finally. Now, a lot of jokes about this. He's a preacher, right? So when a preacher says finally, or as we close, do you know what that means? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Maybe 20 minutes left. Here he says finally at the midway point. But it's probably not the best of He also says it in chapter 4, verse 8. That's a little bit more of the real finally, finally, finally. Probably more try to saying, and so then, or let's move on. He says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. The idea of that word is rejoice continually in the Lord. And then he says, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious. So he's telling this church that he founded and that they, they all knew him or most of them knew him. He's saying, I don't mind telling you this stuff again. And how often the Bible has to tell us stuff over and over and over again and so many people will say, I'm sure God is sick of telling me these things. And the Lord says, no, it's not tedious for me. I'll tell you over and over and over again, little one, until you understand it. So he says, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. And that's why he'll tell them the same things over and over again, because he is concerned for their safety. Interesting that we think of safety, we think of bodily harm. He's thinking of spiritual harm the kind of harm that could actually send someone to hell because they have not embraced the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, remember, he's in jail. He's awaiting sentence. He's a man of a great mind. He's a man of great optimism. He has far off the charts impressive administrative skills. He's in jail, and he's overseeing a church movement. <laughs> He's planting churches. He's sending messages to people without, without any kind of a media of doing it. He's just doing it with, with people that have, have decided to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's got all these different things going on, problems galore, in jail, and he says, I'm continually seeking Christ. And here we may have the secret to the great contentment the apostle has and to all of us who are under a great amount of stress, rejoice in the Lord. 
Now, I know that most of our stress is very real to us, right? Just a quick show of hands. How many of you are thinking that possibly this week someone's going to tell you your head's going to be cut off? Just quick show of hand. Nobody. One person. Two. Okay, right? He's saying, you know, in theory, he's saying, listen, this stuff works. Continually rejoice in the Lord. He's talking to a church that we saw in chapter one, had some problems from the outside. There, were, there was opposition of people. Was talking with some, some friends of, of Neil's that were up from Florida this week. And they said, so what do people think of the church? They, they're part of a Calvary Chapel in Florida. I go, they think we're a cult. And they go, really? That nobody thinks that way of us. I go, I know, you're a Bible church, right? They go, yes. See, if you're a Bible church up here, you're a cult but not elsewhere. So they had problems from the outside, people perhaps thinking they're a cult. Also, they were saying that Jesus was Lord, which meant who wasn't? Caesar. They had problems on the inside. Remember in chapter two, the apostle said, do all things without complaining or disputing. What does that mean? Uh. (laughs) So they had problems on the inside going on the church too. And what does the apostle give us as the remedy for all of that? He says to them, continually make it your practice to delight in the Lord. No matter what's going on, he's not saying be some flake. We know him too well to say that. He's just saying, delight yourselves in the Lord. So friend, let me ask you this morning. Do you have trouble all around you? The command is clear. Rejoice. In the Lord, do you have problems on the inside of you? Don't know which way to turn. Don't know which way to go. Can't get yourself out of this one. The command is clear. Rejoice. Why? Because true joy, the Bible teaches, is found in pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ. King David wrote almost a thousand years earlier, Psalm 32, 11. He said, be glad in the Lord and rejoice. You righteous, those are the people that believe and trust in God, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Psalm 33, 1 says, rejoice in the Lord. The idea is to, to, I love in the Psalms, the call of the people of God to come into the temple and worship and sing with gladness and loudness. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Just imagine the Lord looking out upon uh, our lives and our churches and, and hearing the praise of his people and going, oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. You say, well, I can't sing too well. That's all right. I understand. I have a voice only a father can love. God's not interested in the quality of the voice. He's interested in the quality of the heart. So ask yourself, Let us all ask ourselves, would my worship be described as being glad? Or would a shout for joy, would that be me? Or would it be, I don't really like this song. Or why is the guy next to me singing so loud? (laughs) Well, what does rejoicing in the Lord do? Well, first and foremost, it, it glorifies God, right? I think too often in America now, we're so pragmatic. Everything has to work. It has to, has to be of some benefit. We're always thinking of churches. What did I get out of it? What did it do for me? And we come to church to worship the Lord because he's worthy. Please think of that the next time you want to sleep in your home on a Sunday morning and go, you know what? I'm just, well, you know, 
You know, we always joke about Pastor Pillow and Reverend Sheets. You know, he's speaking that loud sermon, saying, come on, stay here, stay here. So, so what's better, that extra hour of sleep or to be part of the community of God's people praising the king? There are certain things in our lives, praise and worship being one of them, not limited, we're going to see in a second, to singing that Proverbs 25 told us that builds the walls of the cities of our heart so we're not vulnerable to attack. If we're always miserable, how vulnerable will we be? Because we'll make decisions based on not being miserable. Whereas if we're rejoicing in the Lord, we'll be making decisions are, is it wise Is it God glorifying? Is this what God has for me? Much of the word of God is dedicated to teaching us about the faith, about building our faith, about patching the cracks in the wall of our faith, helping us to sustain our faith, helping us to grow our faith. And yet, notice the heart of God in the midst of all this. He says this. It's okay that I have to keep reminding you of this. It's okay that I have to keep telling you this. Because it's so important. Because it's how God keeps us safe. I think it's an important key here to the Christian life that it is rejoicing that brings joy to a follower of Jesus. How often do we think we've bought into the American mindset that if all the ducks are in a row, if everything is the way we want it to be, we'll be happy. We'll have joy. And the Bible, as it always does, comes and takes the ways of man and flips them upside down and says, no, that's not the way it goes. It is rejoicing that will bring you joy because joy is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is amazing to me how many people want to be happy. Did you ever notice that? Now, the Bible uses that word interchangeably with the word blessed. And I think the Apostle Paul is telling us all this morning, you want to be happy, you want to be blessed? Let the Lord make you happy. Let the Lord bless you. How, how, how? Obey the command. Rejoice in the Lord. Well, number two, we move from the command to a caution, and the language really changes here. This is definitely one of those examples of our English Bibles cleaning it up because they're like, oh, God would never put that stuff in his word. Don't worry. Later in the chapter, he's going to use the word dung. So, yeah, he uses words like that. So a caution, verse two, beware. Okay, put the big sign up over your heart. Beware. Look out. Watch out. Be on your guard. It's coming. Beware of dogs. Does your sign have a beware of dogs? Does your heart have a beware of dog sign on it? Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. Some of your versions say those who mutilate the flesh. In verse 3, we'll see that he's talking about circumcision, which is a sacred rite for the Jews. So the Apostle Paul is not happy. 
He's talking about a group of people, uh, particularly read the book of Galatians, a whole book really dedicated to those jokers. Remember, J.B. Phillips called them the uninvited sham brothers. And he's talking about a whole group of people called the Judaizers who believe that, yes, it's faith in Jesus is good, plus you have to do something else. Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus the law of Moses. You say, thank goodness those people aren't around anymore. Of course they are. Jesus plus good works. Jesus plus being a good person. Just doing those things will get you to heaven. And the word of God, friends, is crystal clear on this. Crystal clear. And that's why today is not really a jokey message. You're like, first service, like, not a lot of jokes, Pastor Jim. Right? This is no joking matter today. The Bible is crystal clear that trusting in what we do, no matter how religious, no matter how moral, will not get you to heaven. We've said many times before that salvation, the forgiveness of sins and eternal life comes first, and then in response, we do the good works. It's not that the good works come first, and then in response, God gives us forgiveness of sins and eternal life. The religious ceremonies of the Bible are very important. But they are not how we get salvation. They point to salvation. When you go down the street, you might see a sign that points to a city. The sign is not the city. The sign points to the city. And so in the Old Testament, the Lord gave us many, many ceremonies that the Jews did that were signs. Don't gloss over it. Passover was a sign. The priesthood was a sign of the great high priest who would come, the Lord Jesus Christ. The temple, a sign. The sacrifices were a sign. They looked forward to the Messiah. They looked forward to the Lord Jesus Christ. They anticipated the Messiah. They were the hope of God's people. Just like baptism. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality where someone comes and says, my heart has been cleansed by God and I'm going to make a public demonstration that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. After the cross and the resurrection, the apostles went out and they were preaching the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they went out and through the Roman Empire were doing, they were planting churches. Acts 15.1 says this, it says, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, so they're teaching this to Christian people, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. That's false. That is not true. That is anti-Christ. That is attacking the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Acts 15.2 says this, Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them. So Paul and Barnabas didn't go, well, that's just the way you see it. No, Paul was like, you know, that's wrong. That's wrong. What you're telling these people is not true. And so here in Philippians 3, verse 2, like a father, the Apostle Paul says, beware, beware, beware. 
like a father, son, daughter. I know you might think you know a lot, but there's much you don't know. And there are things that are gonna come at you that are just not gonna be true. They're not gonna be geared for you to follow Jesus. They're gonna be geared for you to follow something else. And beware, be so very, very careful. Well, thanks for joining us today for this edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney, the teaching pastor of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We want to be sure to tell you that today's message from the book of Philippians and many others are available on CD for a suggested donation of any amount. To get your copy of today's message from Pastor Jim, just call us at Changed by Love at 973-659-3380. The only information you need is the date you heard this program. Again, that number is 973-659-3380. Or send us an email. That address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And when you call or email us to place your order, please let us know how God is using Changed by Love in your life. It's always a great blessing to hear how God is using the teaching of His Word in your lives. To learn more about Changed by Love, visit changedbyloveradio.com. There you'll find an archive of past messages and a secure option to donate if you would like to help support this ministry. Again, the web address is changedbyloveradio.com. That's changedbyloveradio.com. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. That's next time on Changed by Love.